The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I mustn't have been paying attention When you were just talking to me Do you think that you could repeat the question And I listen more attentively There must have been something in all of that nothing That wasn't quite so easy to see And I must Hey, how you guys doing? Good, good. Glad to hear it. Uh, anybody hear anything good on the news today? Huh? Just checking. Uh, Tom Duggan here on the Paying Attention podcast. Thank you so much for uh, joining us the day before our big, huge celebrity bash. Celebrity bash. I can't even talk anymore. Charity bash. Celebrities uh, there too. Right. There will be some celebrities. Yeah. We've got Johnny Joyce and Daryl Silver, and we've got uh, Brittany Baldy from MTV called this morning and said she can't make it. Oh, that's too bad. This is going to be the first bash that she's going to miss, and I'm going to miss having her there because she's just so smoking hot. Like having her in the room is just, it makes me happy. Um, so uh, we have our big charity bash tomorrow. If you're listening to this uh, after Thursday, the 23rd, which is when we're taping today, uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on the bash today because I. I know that most people who download the show download it a couple days after we actually record the show. Right. And I get that. And so none of that information will be helpful to you. But next week when we come in, we're going to um, bring in some great audio clips and video clips for those who watch us on uh, YouTube uh, about whatever is going to happen at the bash tomorrow night. So um, appreciate that. I also want to thank uh, Twin Lights Security, Twin Lights Security um, in uh, Gloucester. They are a great sponsor of the show. They're a uh, sponsor of the Valley Patriot. They sponsor the show. They're sponsoring the bash. They provide my security when I'm driving around Lawrence going to shooting calls like uh, a couple days ago. Hopefully Fred's got, the, got that in his rotation. We got it. We got Excellent. it. Yep. Um, and, uh, and, they, uh, and they're also giving us free security the night of the bash. Oh, wow. Because whenever you get 700 and something people into a room yep. and I'm standing up on stage, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a target, right? So we always have to have security in the room because some knucklehead, some year is going to get in, you know, and, 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 tr- and try and do something stupid. So we, we make sure that we've got uh, adequate security. Of course, we've, always, we've got a room full of cops, firefighters, and veterans, too. Right. So I'm not yep. really worried about it. That's a good it. crowd. But yep. it's always good to have someone whose job it is to kind of keep an eye on things. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Cause it's they'll a responsible see, thing to do. Yeah, and they'll see something brewing before it actually becomes a big issue because right. that's what they do. Yep. And so that's why we love to have twin light security teams in Gallus. Uh, Century 21 in Methuen. Uh, we love Joe and Rosanna Zingales Lopez. Joe Zingales and Rosanna Zingales Lopez gave us a thousand dollars for the um, for the teams. In, they they sponsor us every year. They do, and yeah. they, they they don't just give us money for the scholarships. They also give us money for like other stuff. And they sponsor the show. They sponsor the Valley Patriots. So I appreciate that. That's terrific. I got to have my hat. Sorry, got, you need the hat. So now I feel better. There you go. All right, now see, now I can think. That's why. There I can, you go. You're all set. See, before the show, I'm like, why can't I think? Why am I saying the wrong words? We saw that. I wasn't wearing my hat. That's it. That's what it is. It's, it's easy. Um, and so we also have Fred the Barber. We'll talk a little bit more about him during the break. We have a- Angelo at AM Auto Body who bought a table to our charity bash tomorrow night, 
and uh, said, hey, Tom, I'm going to buy a table because I want to help, but I'm only bringing three people. So if you want um, any any veterans in the room need a place to sit, they can sit at our table, and I'll pay for their ticket. Great. That's awesome. So that's, uh, that's excellent. You know, you get guys like that on your side. It's almost like you don't you don't have to worry about anything in the world because you know that something happens. They're going to be there for you. But that's what the bash is all about. Yeah, it's, it's a whole room full of people who are like that and willing right. to help out and great group. Yeah, and you're going to be there. I'll be there, right? Yeah, with uh, Meredith, who's she'll uh, be there. Who's not not here yeah, again? No, I know yeah, not I know. a lot of people agree with Tom on stuff, but I, I got to take his side on this. Uh, Meredith brightens up the show, mm-hmm. and when she's not here, it's not the same. Right. Thanks so much for that, Mr. Jonathan. I really appreciate you <laughs> chiming <laughs> in with that. That <laughs> well, was listen, great. Yeah, listen, you bring a lot to the show. It's not oh, a detraction. I wore you. red today. Right. The, the people on the podcast can't see that, but right. on YouTube they can see. All right. Just you, to make it, you, you know, match make it the clear. pillars. You're the third pillar of the show. There you go. There you go. All right. I think we have a couple of other sponsors. We'll talk about them during the break. But why don't we start with news? And I don't know. Anybody see the news today? Anybody see the front page of the Eagle Tribune today? Boy, for some reason, for 30 years, they refused to print the name of the Valley Patriot. For some reason today, they thought, you know, front page. Got to love it. Hope you're not talking about that story today. Why give them any credit? I don't think I have that one, but I do have right. a sad story to report today. It's something we already have talked about. You're going to bum me out already? Well, you know about this story, All but right. this is about, uh, you know, we talked before about uh, Dan Cody, uh, who was a tow truck driver who was killed in an accident uh, by um, uh, on the highway a couple weeks ago. And yesterday, hundreds of tow truck drivers lined up in North Andover to show their respects at his funeral. Uh, Cody was a member of the Cody's Garage and Towing family, uh, and he was struck outside his tow truck as he was working a load of vehicle from a crash on 495 South. Now, an update to the story that we didn't have last time, but a 28-year-old Lawrence woman, Sheena Dion, is charged with motor vehicle homicide and operating under the influence and other charges in connection with his death. So he, uh, he was 41. He leaves behind a wife and two sons. So sad story. But uh, update in terms of what happened and... and Who's yeah. to blame on that, allegedly? So We went live yesterday because the funeral procession went right by my office. Right. So it just made it easier for me. I didn't have to go anywhere. That's mm-hmm. usually my favorite kind of work when I have to leave. Um, <laughs> and so uh, we, we went live with that. It was very sad. Uh, I don't cry often, but I cried about that. Yep. Um, just an amazing turnout. I yeah. Mean, that, that tells you a lot about the person. But you that. know what was really nice is that when you're watching this funeral procession, it's still on my Facebook page, um, there were tow trucks from other tow truck companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we saw Bobby she- we saw Sheehan's towing and Martino's towing and uh, a lot of the other tow companies. And, you know, they're all in competition. It's a cutthroat business. Yep. And, you know, when something like this happens, it's great that you have other people in your business that, you know, on a, on a normal day, you guys are cutting each other's throats and, right. and you're fighting for contracts in Methuen or Lawrence or wherever. Um, but uh, they all came together for Dan. That was really nice. Um, we are going to be giving tomorrow night at our charity bash uh, at least $3,400 in scholarship money in the name of Dan Cody Jr. Wow. Um, it started off when a gentleman named Al Velo, who uh, came to my office a week ago, we hadn't planned on doing this because pretty much the whole bash was planned already up by last week. We already had everything ready. Mm-hmm. And Al Velo came in and said, listen, how short are you on your Whittier Tech scholarship? And I said, we're about 300 short of our goal of $1,000. Yep. He said, well, I don't know if you know this, but I went to Whittier Tech, mm-hmm. and so here's $300 to get you to your goal. And then he pulled on another check and said, and by the way, I, I don't know if you're willing to do this, but here's a $500 check. I want you to start a new scholarship in the name of Dan Cody, a Dan Cody wow. Memorial Scholarship. He gave yep. me 500 bucks right wow, out of his pocket. how about that? And um, you know, we weren't sure how we were going to handle it. 
you know, should we give the money to the family? Should we? But what he what he wanted, and he was the first person to start it off. He wanted a kid from Thompson School in North Andover because that's where Dan Cody's kids go. Mm-hmm. And he said, give it to a graduating senior or two graduating seniors or whatever. Um, who graduated from Thompson, mm-hmm. and uh, and just make sure it's a good kid. Screen the kid. Make sure it's not one of these Black Lives Matter, you know, hate someone that hates the cops or hates the firefighters or whatever. So we found two really good kids. One's a special needs kid um, who's very deserving. Her parents are very poor, and most people don't realize that there are poor people in North Andover, but there are. I mean, it's a rich community, but that doesn't mean everyone who lives there is rich. Um, and we've got another girl, Jamie Plodzik, who uh, we're also going to give a scholarship to. She's going to a four-year college next year, and we're going to do it in the name of uh, Dan Cody. And if we get more donations for this scholarship, what we may do is we're gonna, we may try to start some kind of like an endowment of some kind for Dan's kids. That'd be excellent. So if the Valley Patriots not around when those kids graduate from high school, there'll at least be something there for them. I hope Valley Patriot will be around, but that's excellent either way. I mean, right. that's terrific. Thanks. That's terrific. That's a great effort. So if you want to find out more about it, go to the Bash tomorrow night, right? Right. Absolutely. Should One Market be. Street in Lawrence, the Firefighters Relief Inn. It's the old Knights of Columbus. Doors open at 5.00. Um, dinner begins. We have our dinners donated by Salvatore's Restaurant. Excellent. Always Mike awesome. Ag- Mike yep. Agricola and Phil always are very good to us. They're an advertiser, and they said, we want to do dinner for free for you. Wow. Um, so come. That's uh, dinner will start at uh, 5.30. It's a buffet. You can get what you want. Terrific. Program starts at 7. Yep. So you want to be at least in the room by 7 o'clock. want to be there by 7. Right. Food's great, but the program's great, too. Got to be right. there for the program. All right. Hey, let's talk politics for a minute. I love talking politics. Sure. Absolutely. Hey, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit before it's in the show, Methuen but now it's official. It? It's Methuen politics, oh, but, it, well, but Methuen State Rep, Diana DeZoglio. All right. And she announced this week that she is officially throwing her hat in the ring for State Senate. So this is the first Essex Senate district, and it recently opened up after the uh, incumbent, Katie O'Connor Ives, a Newburyport Democrat, announced she would not seek a fourth term in office. So DeZoglio, who's uh, served as state rep for six years, uh, now has officially announced her candidacy. This district that she's running for, uh, excuse me, her current rep district, includes parts of Methuen, Haverhill, North Andover, and Lawrence. Uh, The seat that she's running for would include Methuen, Haverhill, part of North Andover, as well as Amesbury, Newburyport, Salisbury, and Merrimack. Now, she plans to kick off her campaign at an event in Haverhill on April 5th. So you and Diana have been friends for a long time. You know her very well. What are your thoughts about this candidacy? Uh, my thoughts are I don't know why I didn't get the story before everybody else since uh, she's my friend. Uh, actually, that's not true. I'm just breaking her chops. I think this happened very quickly she this week, told, right? She told me a week ago, and she said, as a friend, can I just ask you not to break it? Yep. I'd rather break it in the Boston News. It gives us a bigger hit for the campaign. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that. That's mm-hmm. fine. Um, I, think the, I, think, I think pretty much the election's already over. I don't know anybody that's going to be able to there – could, there could be someone, right? Yep. You could have the mayor of Methuen could say, you know what, um, I, I'm going to decide I'm going to run. You could have the mayor of Haverhill say, you know what, I'm going to decide to run, and they both have really big bases of support. Um, and then she'd have a fight on her hands. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think you're going to have a big name jump in. And if that doesn't happen, then I think she automatically walks away with it. She's going to raise a ton of money. Yep. And there's nobody who works harder – there's no state rep in this state that works harder than Diana DiZaglio at election time. She right. defeated a 14-year incumbent, Dave Teresi, mm-hmm. in a Democrat primary. Yep. Almost impossible to do. Right. Yep. Yep. And she did it, and she outworked him. And he was his attitude during the campaign was, 
hey, I'm Dave Teresi. My family owns Jackson Lumber. I'm, you know, we're an institution in the Valley. Right. You know, this young kid's not going to beat me. And so he didn't really work all that hard. And mm-hmm. she knocked on every single door like 100 times. And she yep. beat him. So It's a secret to it. I think, I think she's, she's going to do well. I think, she should, I think she should walk away with it unless someone big jumps in. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, will she be a good senator? And I think she will. I mean, I don't know because I, I, th- I, think, she, I think she's better as a state rep. Why? Well, because the state reps, the, the legislature is in charge of the money. Right. She's very diligent about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Senators are about, like, debating and, you know, they're all about, um, you know, not the money side. It's all, like, the policy side. Yep. And I just think she's better at the money stuff. I think she's better at get, getting down in the weeds, doing the research, you know, the appropriation type stuff. She went after the speaker when he promised that he was going to use uh, millions of dollars from the marijuana uh, vote that they took for um, uh, people who have uh, um, for people who need re- treatment, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then decided not to do that, just like right. with the cigarettes. They went up on the cigarette tax, so it was going to go for people with emphysema who smoked, and then mm-hmm. they put it in the general budget. Mm-hmm. She took to the floor and she took she took him on. And uh, you know, in the Senate, I just I don't know. I don't. I think she's going to be more effective as a state rep than a senator. But uh, she'll be a good senator, right? And uh, it will be good to have someone in the Senate that returns phone calls. Katie Ives was a was a uh, a great senator in my view. Uh-huh. I supported Katie even though she was a Democrat. Um, she returned phone calls, which is big with me. Uh, and I don't mean just return my phone calls. I mean. I get phone calls from people who say, yeah, I called Diana and she called me right back. Or I mm-hmm. called Katie and she called me right back. That's the kind of constituent services that we need at the state house. Right. Yeah, it's very important to keep that tie to the voters and the people he represents. Yep. So should be interesting. Well, listen, we're in New Hampshire right now. We're at the Two Guys Smoke Shop here in Salem, New Hampshire. And we have some news from New Hampshire this week. President Trump was up here. Yeah, he was. He visited Manchester on Monday to announce plans to get even tougher in the war against drug abuse. Now, is he watching my podcasts now? Has he gotten? He could that, be. Has he gotten that Lawrence is the problem yet? Well, I, I, I think he's on to that. All I right. think he's on to that. So he announced an even greater emphasis on prevention and rehabilitation for drug users. His administration proposes to screen every federal inmate for opioid addiction at intake. Good. And would, uh, they would facilitate access to treatment services prior to and while at residential reentry centers. But, you know, the policy point that got the most attention out of his speech had to do with cracking down on drug distribution. Now, President uh, Trump called on the Department of Justice to seek the death penalty for some drug traffickers. Love it. He also called on Congress to pass legislation to make it easier to impose mandatory minimum sentences on those who distribute illegal opioids. Now, the Trump administration says it hopes the new measures will help cut the number of opioid prescriptions by one-third over the next three years, and that that'll hopefully lessen um, the way that those prescriptions are becoming a gateway for drug abuse from people who use them. So, I think we have a clip of Donald Trump talking about uh, Lawrence, Massachusetts. If, okay. uh, I'm sorry, I, I should have teed it up for you. That's okay. Let's listen I, to that. I think we have it. I, um, I do not have a Donald Trump one. I have the uh, Rivera one. All right, so after Donald Trump made his speech talking about uh, uh, Lawrence, Massachusetts, the sanctuary city, mm-hmm. and talked about the fentanyl labs in, in Lawrence, um, we've talked about this on the show, Fred. Whenever somebody says anything about Lawrence, what happens? They circle the wagons, Mm -hmm. and they say, people are being mean to us. They're being mean. They're picking on us because we're brown. (laughs) Well, Dan Rivera did not disappoint. Shame on the president. Um, He's trafficking in pain and divisiveness, um, creating boogeymen where we need solutions. I'm a Reagan baby. I'm a kid from the 80s. I remember the crack of the 
I remember the Just Say No on Drugs campaigns. No. I remember the increased prison time for dealers and users. But you know what beat the crack epidemic and the cocaine epidemic? It was police practicing community policing, jobs for inner city kids, and treatment, treatment, treatment. <laughs> Serious, long-term, expensive treatment. Now he's not, he's not wrong about that, right? He's not wrong. Part of what he's saying is true. At the end of what he said, Fred, is you know one of the solutions is treatment, treatment, treatment. Okay, so I guess this would beg the question of anybody who's neutral on this, what is Dan Rivera doing for treatment in Lawrence? He mm -hmm. won't help the Daybreak Homeless Shelter. He doesn't want, uh, I, I know that uh, there's a, a group that wanted to have a, a home for foster kids once they turn out of the foster system, mm -hmm. like a transitional place where they can go to get life skills to go out into the real world on their own once they turn 18, doesn't mm -hmm. want that. Um, there's been several other treatment facilities that have wanted to come into Lawrence that he has said no to. So it's great that he thinks that treatment is the answer. The question is, why aren't you, or, or better question, why are you standing in the way of those treatment centers coming to Lawrence where the need is the greatest? Well, and it sounds like the mayor is talking about more the demand side of the equation than the supply side. Right. President Trump is talking about both, right? Mm -hmm. So so I saw all of the city councilors on Facebook, including my friend Giovanni, whom I love to death. I just don't agree with him on this. Um, and basically what they did was they cried about it. They whined and they cried and they wringed their hands and said, Donald Trump should be blaming the people in, people in New Hampshire for coming to Lawrence and causing all these problems and buying all the drugs. And I'm like, okay, so wait a minute. Let me see if I have this right. So when an illegal alien comes across the border drink bringing drugs, we're not supposed to blame the people coming into the country over the border. We should blame the people bringing it in. I mean, we should, bl we should blame the people here, right? Because we're attracting them apparently without jobs and everything else. On the other hand... When people from Methuen are coming over the border into Lawrence, we should blame the people coming across the border. So don't blame the people coming across the border between Mexico and Texas who are bringing truckloads of drugs into the country. Don't blame them because that would be racism. But when people are coming across the border from New Hampshire into Lawrence to buy drugs, suddenly we blame the outsiders. Mm -hmm. And to me, it just seems, again, we talk about hypocrisy on this show every week. It's just the height of hypocrisy. And I don't even think most people who hold both of those views have even thought about how both of those views don't coincide. They're completely mm -hmm. contradictory. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, there's some, you can argue about the causes, you can argue about the solutions, but there is a, uh, a widespread problem. You know, the president chose New Hampshire for his announcement because the Granite State currently ranks third per capita right. uh, in deaths related to drug overdoses. Do you know what the first two um, states are? Probably never guessed. West Virginia and Ohio. Wow. Per capita in terms of... Uh, deaths related to drug overdoses. Now, just after taking office, Trump referred to New Hampshire as a, quote, drug-infested den. And that was during a phone call with Mexican President Enrique Peña Nieto. Right, and everybody wants to talk about whose feelings he hurt when he said it yep. and not whether or not he's right, mm -hmm. okay? So they run around and they cry, oh, I've been CNN all day, oh, he hurt people's feelings, he insulted people in New Hampshire, he insulted, he called them drug-infested dens, and they cry and they whine and they have panel discussions. But nobody actually talks about whether or not what he friggin' said was true. Um, Dan Rivera could have hit a home run with this. And this is just where we disagree. I do really do like the guy, but I watched his press conference, and I thought, wow, he still doesn't get it. The guy's been mayor four and a half years. He still doesn't get it. He should have come out, and he should have said, you know what? I, don't may, I may not like Donald Trump. I didn't vote for Donald Trump, but he's right. Lawrence has a drug problem. And I challenged the president 
to send us more money for our police department. I challenge the president to give us more community policing grants so we can have guys walking in these neighborhoods and keeping them safe. I challenge the president to send more members of the DEA and the FBI into Lawrence to close down these fentanyl labs, and maybe Lawrence will get better. So instead of Donald Trump yelling about Lawrence and insulting Lawrence, I challenge him, I agree with him, we have a problem, come here and help us fix it. Had he done that, he would have, he would have hit a home run on multiple levels. First, you don't piss off the White House, which he has done. And I have a friend who's an intern at the White House who told me that just wait until this summer when the alphabet soup of 12 law and federal law enforcement agencies descend onto Lawrence and set up shop. That's what I was told. Hmm. Watch, watch it happen in June. Wow. Um, he, he would have hit a home run with that. He also would have hit a home run with the people in Lawrence who tend to follow what the leaders say and then puff out their chest and say, oh, Donald Trump's being mean to us because we're brown. Donald Trump's being mean to us because he hates immigrants or he hates people from Lawrence. He hates Latinos. And all that does is just fosters more animus. Rather than, And think about this. At the same time they're crying that Donald Trump is being mean to them and saying mean things, he starts off with Donald Trump's trying to have boogeymen. He needs boogeymen. And they're doing the same thing. Like, don't do the same thing. If you're going to criticize Trump for doing something... Don't in the next breath do the same thing. Rise above it. And their answer is, especially on CNN as always, well the, well, the president did it. Okay, we'll do two wrongs, make a right. I mean, if you're the one calling him out and saying it's wrong, why are you doing it? Yep. So, I don't know. I think Dan could have hit a home run yesterday. Um, you think he didn't? You think he was wrong? No, I think he whiffed. And look, it's great for his base. In Lawrence, because he's defending the people of Lawrence, he's right? The mayor, he's right? the mayor, right? He's got to defend him. And I'm, but, he could have, but he could have done it in a way that it could have benefited Lawrence mm-hmm. rather than picking a fight with the president. And believe me, he saw it. Um, and he's going to do something about it. And now he's pissed off at Lawrence even more than he already was. You, you, could, have, you could have embraced it. You know, I always say steer into the skid. I say it on every show, right? Mm-hmm. Something bad right. happens. Steer into the skid. Say, hey, you know what? Give credit where credit's due. He's right. We have a drug problem. What are you going to do to help us fix it? Mm-hmm. And instead, he antagonized him. So I'm pretty sure, based on the guy I talked to yesterday, that come June, they're going to show with the huge amount of arrests that they're about to make that Dan Rivera's wrong, that Lawrence is the problem. Lawrence is a problem, certainly. That they're, that, that, yes, people are coming from New Hampshire and Maine to buy the drugs there, but that's because that's where the drugs are. That's where the fentanyl labs are. That's where they're packaging it. That's where they're producing it. And that's where they're selling it. And I'll go back to what we talked about five shows ago, Fred. We had four police chiefs here on our very first show. Great show. Yep. And they talked about the fact that a finger of heroin in Lawrence is $400. Mm -hmm. Take that same figure of heroin up to Manchester, New Hampshire, it's $800. Right. Take it up to York, Maine. It's $1,200. Mm-hmm. We know by supply and demand that the price goes up the further away you get from the supply. Right. So we know that Lawrence is the problem. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean everyone in Lawrence is a problem. That doesn't mean everyone in Lawrence is bad. Uh, if you're so sensitive that you, you're going you're gonna to have a knee-jerk defensive reaction to that statement as if saying Lawrence is the problem, that we're saying Everyone in Lawrence is. That's certainly not true, right? right? right. We're going to be giving some great scholarships to some Lawrence kids tomorrow night. We're going to be giving some awards tomorrow to some great Lawrence people. Yep. So nobody is saying, including the president, that everyone in Lawrence is bad. But that's, that's what it gets turned into. Mm-hmm. Because it's easier to puff out your chest and whine and cry that someone hurt your little feelings than it is to do something hard like, I don't know, fix the fucking problem. And I don't see anybody fixing the problem. 
I see the Lawrence cops working their asses off. Right. I see Dan Rivera working his ass off to try and get more cops in Lawrence. I give him mm-hmm. credit for that. Mm-hmm. I don't think Dan's doing a bad job. I just think that he's just, he's just panders, and I hate the pandering. And uh, hopefully he'll start to get it when this alphabet soup of law enforcement agents descend on the Lawrence in the next month or two. And, and embrace it. Just embrace it and say, yes, Lawrence has a problem. We admit we have a problem. Now let's try to fix it. Let's all just work together and fix it. Do you think it's going to get fixed? I mean, is it too late or is it, do you think you can save it? I've always said that I don't think Lawrence can be saved, but I think having the president focusing on Lawrence, Massachusetts is a really good start to trying to fix it. Yep. And if anybody can fix it, if, if Dan Rivera and the Lawrence City Council forgot all the political bullshit for a minute and just embraced this, and said, yeah, let's work with the White House to fix this problem. Who cares who he insults? Who cares whose feelings he hurts? Mm-hmm. Let's just fix the problem. We'll worry about that other stuff afterwards. I think you could turn Lawrence around. Some pretty big support you could get, right? right? I mean, that's... And well, that's it's a yeah. difference between somebody looking to uh, bolster their career with their side, in quotes, versus actually solve the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. If his heart was in the right place, he would have said the right things, in my opinion. Right. And we tell addicts all the time, right? We tell them... Admitting you have a problem is the first step to fixing it. Right. And yet here we are talking about addicts and we're talking about drugs and you have the leaders of Lawrence refusing to admit the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he actually said at one point during that, um, during that press conference that we don't have MS-13 in Lawrence. I drive Lawrence every night. We have MS-13 in Lawrence. Trust me, we do. Now, they're not as big, they're not as big of an influence in the neighborhoods in Lawrence as the other two gangs, the other two prominent gangs that are in Lawrence. Uh, one of which was involved in the next story you're going to talk about. Um, but they are in Lawrence, and MS-13 uh, has, a, has a way of going into areas where they don't have a lot of gang members or influence, infiltrating other gangs and getting gangs to war with each other to try and, and, to try and sow dissension in whatever community that is. Then they go in and they try and you know, wipe these guys out. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are in Lawrence. We know that they're in Lawrence. We even know what neighborhood they are in Lawrence in the end of a street neighborhood. We know that. Because when the DEA is here, I talk to them off the record. When the FBI is here, I talk to them off the record. And by the way, so does Dan. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knows what's going on. MS-13's in Lawrence. It's not a huge problem in Lawrence yet, but we got two other gangs. And just because those two other gangs, I'm not going to mention their names. You'd know them if I said it. Uh, just, be- just because they don't get the publicity that MS-13 gets doesn't mean they're any less deadly. They are. They're just as deadly and we saw that yesterday or the day before. I don't know. My days all run into each other with uh, the next story you're going to talk Tuesday. about. On Tuesday. That's right. Well, this story ripped from the pages of the Valley Patriot, yep. right? Yep. Two men were shot on Tuesday afternoon at Brooklyn Union Streets in Lawrence after a fight broke out early in the afternoon. Uh, now, sources say one man was shot in the neck and transported to Lawrence General Hospital. And shortly after the incident, a second shooting victim arrived on his own at the hospital. Both of them were taken via med flight helicopter to Boston, and they're now in stable condition. Now, police found as many as 26 shell casings. Imagine that, 26 shell casings on the street, but would not release any information about the number of bullets fired. Uh, State police and news helicopters hovered over the area in search for the shooter, but he's not in custody at this time. Now, Lawrence Police Chief Roy Vask said the shooter and victims knew each other and that they have a really good idea who the shooter is, and they expect to have him in custody shortly. Uh, now, you had some video, I think, of the aftermath of this shooting, right? We've got that some. you posted. We, we, you know, I'm so lucky, and this is why I hope that this newspaper survives as long as possible, that when a shooting like this happens, because I grew up in Lawrence, mm-hmm. um, and I'm like 180 years old now, so that's a lot of history there, mm-hmm. um, the, neighbor right in fr- the neighbor that lives right where the shooting happened 
happened to be recording out his window when the shooting happened. We actually wow. have the actual shooting on tape. We have the yep. actual shooting on video. And he sent it to me probably about an hour after, the, uh, after I left the incident and uh, begged me, begged me not to say who he was. I never will. Um, and then we had four or five other neighbors, which, I mean, I, I saw the first video came in, and you actually see the shooting happen. It was a drive-by shooting. Guy drives right up to the guy, point-blank range while the car is moving, plugs him, and the guy goes down. And a few minutes later, I got three or four other um, pieces of video because we got there after the shooting, right? And we have actual video of one of the shooting victims, the guy that got shot in the neck, uh, being tended to by EMTs and carried yeah. away by EMTs. Yeah. It's really tough stuff to watch. I'm actually surprised that Zuckerberg didn't take my videos down. It's really tough stuff to watch if you're not used to this stuff all the time. Lawrence has a serious gang problem. We have a, and by the way, you'll notice that when Roy Vask, Chief Vask spoke to us on the, uh, on the record on video Tuesday, he said, we don't believe this is drug-related. But he didn't say, we don't believe this is gang-related. Sometimes it's what they don't say. Right? And so about an hour after this video, um, one of my friends in, not in law enforcement, but close to law enforcement, sent me a picture of one of the, video, one of the uh, victims well, that got shot. And so I posted a screenshot of his Facebook page where he's throwing gang signs. Mm. So we know that this was gang-related. Uh, we actually even know what gang it is. And we're expecting some kind of retaliation shooting in the next day or two uh, in a different neighborhood where the gang is that did the, uh, that did the original shooting. I feel so bad whenever I go to these shootings, especially during the day, when you got kids walking around, you got mothers right. coming home with groceries, and you got to feel bad for the good people who live in that, in that neighborhood and in some of the neighborhoods in Lawrence who have to deal with this shit every day. They have to tolerate every day gunshots, people getting stabbed, people getting shot, getting broken into. You go to the, you go to the store to get cigarettes, you come back, your TV's gone, you get broken into. I, they deal with this every single day. Now, like when we leave this studio, I get to go back to my office in North Andover, and even though I'm on Main Street and it's close to Lawrence, I never have to worry about that kind of stuff. Like I don't, I don't worry about shootings outside my office. I don't worry about you know, stabbings outside, outside the post office down the street from me. And I used to live in Lawrence, and I used to worry about that stuff, and it sucked. It really did. And I feel so bad for the people, the good people who live there. Um, and a lot of them are just afraid. They're just afraid to say anything. The cops show up. You know there were 18 witnesses. And the cops show up and say, hey, did anybody see anything? And everyone, oh, I don't know. I don't know nothing, right? Because they don't want to be the next victim. And they also don't want to be seen talking to the cops. I mean, you know, whenever there's a shooting like this, there are usually, if it's a gang-related shooting, there are usually other gang members from that gang hanging around the crime scene later on when the cops show up to see who's talking to the cops because they will retaliate against them. Mm. So I arrived probably about 15 minutes after the shooting, and I saw two guys talking to a cop uh, over to the side, and I got out of my car with my camera, and the second they saw me get out of the car with the camera, they turned their back on the cop and walked away. This is the fear that some of the people in Lawrence live with. And this is why I get, I get not angry, but I get frustrated with Dan Rivera, the mayor, because who's speaking for them? Who's speaking for the good people in these neighborhoods that have to put up with this crap every day? And saying that we don't have a gang problem, saying that Donald Trump's trying to create a boogeyman, defending sanctuary cities, which makes more illegal criminals come to Lawrence. I'm not saying all illegals are criminals, but the ones that are, are going to go to a sanctuary city because they know they're not going to be deported. And so... I just I think he's just so wrong on all of this respectfully. I just think he's wrong. 
I think it's awful. I think it's awful what these people have to deal with. I go to shootings at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you kind of expect that kind of stuff in Lawrence. But when it's 2 in the afternoon and you've got kids walking home from school mm-hmm. and the police have everything cordoned off and, you know, you've got kids walking with their books and mothers walking with their groceries, it could have been any one of them. You know, one of those bullets could have straight and hit any one of them. And it's just not right. It's not right that those people have to live that way. Right. We know a great way to help out the people in Lawrence. Go uh, to the bash tomorrow night. Yeah. That's how to help out, I right? I agree. There's some good stuff happening in Lawrence. A hell of a plug right there. Exactly. That's how you help people out. I should hire him. He was so subtle. Go. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent way to help people out. So I agree. How many people are you expecting? I don't know because I heard that there's a certain elected official on the front page of the, uh, on the, front page of the Tribune today that's making phone calls to certain city employees telling them not to go. It's always um, a good crowd there. So. But last year we had about 700 people. If we get five, I'll be happy. If we get more, it'll be a bonus. Um, the hall holds about 550. Yep. So last year we had about seven something, but it wasn't all night, right? right. So people yeah. come, they, come they hang go. out yeah, for an right. hour, and then they go to some other event, and they come back. Yep. So throughout the night last year we had about 700 people. Uh, this year, if we can get even close to that, I'll be happy. Only because whenever we're giving a scholarship or an award, and we announce the person's name and we present the award – it's great to look out and see a packed room cheering these people on. Absolutely, Because yes. it's certainly not about me. They're not cheering for me, trust me. Right. They're cheering for the kids that are getting scholarships, the yep. cops, the firefighters, and the veterans that are getting awards. So, so. to those kids, we've got your back, we're behind right, you, we yeah. support you in everything you do, and go get them. Right. And you know so. what's really nice, too, is that we give scholarships every year. Now, this is the sixth year we've given scholarships. Mm-hmm. Last year, the first two kids we gave scholarships to graduated college. Oh, wow. And they called Chris Eldridge at the Lawrence High Alumni and said, do you think Tom would be okay if we came? Because we want to come and see who's going to get the scholarship this year. And yeah. we, you know, we want to sit with them and chat with them about yeah. stuff. Um, so I had previous scholarship winners come last year to get in the pictures mm-hmm. and to cheer on the kids that were getting this year's scholarship. Awesome. How awesome is that? And that's the kind of thing like, you know, everybody, my, our detractors at the Valley Patriot and on the show always use the same title, bullcrap, when they want to criticize us and say, you only talk about the negative. You only talk about the heroin and the shootings. And anybody who follows us knows that's not true, but it's hard to get that word out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so no matter how many scholarships we give, no matter how many good things that we do and we talk about, there's always going to be people out there who are going to say, oh, no, Duggan only cares about the negative. He hates brown people. He's a racist, whatever they want to say. Um, all I say is pay attention. That's why it's the name of the show. That's right. If you pay attention, then if someone's lying to you, you'll know they're lying, mm-hmm. right? So I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night. It's going to be great. Uh, um, I'm, re- I'm really psyched for a lot of these kids that are getting scholarships, especially the special needs kid mm-hmm. who's going to get the Dan Cody scholarship uh, because that kid was probably going to not end up going to college. Uh, she's, I guess special needs kids take a, a special needs MCAS, like a special MCAS. Uh-huh. And she actually passed the special MCAS. And I forget what they call it. I apologize. So they gave her the regular MCAS just to see how she would do. They weren't going right. to count it against her if she failed. Right. And she passed it. No way. Wow. So here's a kid who's graduating high school. She's special needs. She really wants to go to, go to college so she could be a special needs teacher. Oh, wow. Because she was motivated by one of her special needs teacher yep. and teachers and said, this is what I want to do with my life. Kind of pay it forward type of thing. And yep. without this scholarship, she'd absolutely have no shot at getting into NECO because yep. of the money. Yep. So uh, a horrible thing that Dan Cody died, but at least something good is coming of it. That's right. And I think if he was alive uh, and, he, and he could see this or he could, he's looking down from heaven and he sees this, um, I think he'll be very happy. That be very at, proud. At least in his name, something good's going to happen. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's going to be a great night. Yeah. Good for you for doing it every year. So, good stuff. Almost cried. Oh, 
I'm turning into a sissy. Oh, that's not good. No. That's bad for your brand. I don't it, know. It that's... is bad, bad for my brand for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. That's must, your news. That's it. You have no more news. There's got to be news. something else going on. Nothing? That's the news. All right. See, if Meredith was here, we could stretch it on the half an hour. I know. But, I know. But we'll work on right. that. We're, we're, we're a half an hour over anyway, so. We'll be there tomorrow night. You're going to be there tomorrow night. So we're going to still have to work out how we're going to get you live. I've got the po- I've got the um, the password for the podcast. I think I still have it. Jonathan, you're okay with us going live tomorrow night on Absolutely. our stream? Absolutely. So um, you guys bring your laptop. I'll give you the... Um, the password to get into the Paying Attention podcast stream. We'll figure it out. We'll keep that very secret. And if you want to go live and stay live all night, that's fine. If you want to okay. go live and then just come back when things are happening or when you're interviewing people, that's fine too. Okay. We'll figure it out. It's going to be fun. So Fred, be a good night. Fred Van Magnus. That's right. Uh, you're an attorney, I hear. I am. Want a job? <laughs> I got a job. I'm an attorney. Want another job? I, well, that's <laughs> what I mean. You want a job as an attorney? I, I'm an attorney. I'm I a real I'm, estate broker. I do communications. I think I might need one. I don't know. So. I was still a little disappointed that, that uh, I didn't think this was possibly, and maybe it still isn't coming out, so I'm not going to say anything, but I did get a text last night from uh, a fan of the show and a friend of mine, and uh, they and I expected the show was going to take a different uh, direction today. Yeah, no. No, wh- one of the things that I know, my, my phone's blowing up through the whole show saying, when are you going to talk about what's going on in Mathorn? I'm not going to. I'm not going to give them the satisfaction because once a lawsuit has been filed... I learned from the last five lawsuits, once a lawsuit gets filed, every single thing you say gets thrown back at you in court and gets twisted around to mean something else. So I'm not going to give them the satisfaction. They want to go out and they want to badmouth me in the Herald. They can say anything they want in the Eagle Tribune. They can say whatever they want in any other media source. Whoever they are. Whoever they are. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to give them the satisfaction. So let me get this straight. Are you saying you have no opinion? <laughs> Did wow. I prevail on you wow. after all these weeks, Tom? That wow. now you you've seen the light. You have no opinion. Wow. Uh, actually, it's gone I have full circle. There you go. I have quite the opinions. I'm just not going to give. I'm not going to give okay. anybody the all opportunity right. to use those opinions You're not against share me. Opinion. Right? All right. Well, fair enough. Because look, I could come in here and I could say the greatest things in the world about this guy that's suing me. And they would use that against me and say, "See, he knows he did wrong, so now he's saying nice things about him." Like no matter what you do. They're going to take it and they're going to twist it. So I'm not going to give them the satisfaction. And, um, you know, I've, I, tomorrow night at the bash, I've already told everybody. Everybody who's speaking tomorrow, don't even mention it. Don't even bring it up. Don't tell jokes about it. Don't give them anything. Don't give them one ounce because I've got a defense. And I'm not going to screw it up by having somebody say something that can be used against us. Well, you should be thankful I'm not going then because I'm someone who makes jokes about tragic things all the time. Yeah. Well, listen, when the, when the camera's off, we're going to make lots of jokes about it at the <laughs> after party. Right? Because the good thing about the after party for the – we have two after parties. The first one's in the bar. And then when they finally throw us out after last call, like around 2.30 in the morning, we have a hotel room that we go to to continue the after party. And the the after after party, Fred. You, hopefully, you'll be able to make oh, it. Oh, I don't know. It's um, way past my bedtime. I don't know. We don't allow cell phones. He and his Mister Rogers sweater. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I gotta take off my sneakers. So yeah. we don't we don't allow cell phones. So there's gonna be no video and no audio of anything anybody says at the after after party. So that's when we'll tell the jokes. Okay. So, but please come tomorrow. Well, Appreciate I'll be there. That. No, oh, I was yeah. talking to the audience. Oh, yeah. everyone should go. Appreciate it. All right. So, all right. So I guess that's it. No more news at all. That's no it. more news We're done. for now. I thought we had a few more things, but that's good. Yeah. That's good. So, lots more to talk about on the Paying Attention podcast, right? Yeah, we got Paul Morano, my co host, is going to come up here for at least the next half hour. We might bounce out of here early because I've got stuff to do. But boy, when we come back next week, we're going to have all kinds of audio of all the great stuff that's going to go on Friday night. 
And when we come back, we got my co-host Paul Morano, who hopefully has some great topics to talk about. One can only hope. And now we got some great new commercials too. So now during the commercial, you're not listening to just like music. We actually have stuff you can listen to. All right, back after this, I'm paying attention. Broke, I want your money. Um, someone else who's pretty awesome. Uh, Century 21, jo- uh, Joe Zingales and Rosanna Zingales Lopez at Team Zingales. They sell houses, they buy houses. They've been with us from the very first year of the Valley Patriot in 2004 when they were Remax, before they were Century 21. Um, Joe gave a $2,000 scholarship last year at our bash. This year he's giving a $1,000 scholarship at the bash. Um, he sponsors our police rallies. Uh, Century 21 Teams in Gala sponsors our political debates. We did the sheriff's debates, primary and final election. He sponsors this show. He sponsors us in the Valley Patriot. So you see a pattern here. People who come in with us, they get the publicity of this show and the newspaper and all the stuff that we do. They get business from it, and they stay with us. And they stay with us because advertising with us works. That's just a fact. All right. Now, all right. we have a new sponsor today, and I apologize we didn't get to him. We're going to promote the crap out of him next week, I promise. Fred the Barber. Anybody remember Fred the Barber in Lawrence on South Broadway? He's been there for about 185 years. Um, and he looks pretty good for 185. Yeah. Um, Fred the Barber at 309 South Broadway in Lawrence is our new sponsor, thanks to Ken DeLuca, who bought a sponsorship for them because he loves Fred the Barber so much. Uh, he's been in business 25 years. He's open seven days a week. He is on South Broadway right next to Yokohama, which used to be a great sushi place, not really so much anymore. Um, they're open at 8.30 every morning, seven days a week. Uh, Fred is there Monday through Friday, and Mike is there every other day. And you can still get a $15 haircut. Nice. Like, I don't know anywhere else you can go anywhere, including Lawrence, where you can get a $15 haircut, even with the 5,000 barbers there are all over North Lawrence. And they're open Fred three, the Barber. The Fred the Barber is our new sponsor, and we certainly appreciate him. Appreciate him. Then we've got Angelo Memolo from A&M Auto Body. He's in the old Metropolitan Building on South Broadway, right down the street from Fred the Barber. So you go get your car taken care of, and you go get a haircut while you're waiting. How about that, That's right? Great. So you go see Angelo in the old Metropolitan Building on South Broadway in Lawrence. Angelo is such a great guy. He advertises in the print edition of the Valley Patriot. He advertises on this show. And this morning, Paul, he called me and he said, how much is it for a table to your bash? Okay. I want to buy a table. He said, I'm probably only going to come with one or two people. So how many ever empty seats there are at my table? You can have a veteran sit there for free. I'll pay for the ticket. That's awesome. So that's a, that's a guy you want to do business with, right? I do business with good people. Um, and if I have an advertiser that's not someone like Angelo, I really don't want their money. I don't care if I go broke. I don't want your money. Um, Twin Lights Security. Patrick McLaughlin, Mike Thibodeau at, at Twin Lights Security. Uh, they not only are a great security company that provides personal and business security, they're also private investigators. And not only do they provide, they're going to be providing for free the security at the uh, 14th anniversary bash next Friday on March 23rd, um, but they also um, employ me. I do uh, private investigations with them from time to time when they have, some, when they have a need, when they need somebody to do like a real investigation because I'm an investigative reporter. It's kind of like what I do. Um, who do we miss out? Uh- you know what happens if you're not paying attention. Hey, look, anybody who wants to run can run. And Marcos Devers won handily in white neighborhoods in South Lawrence. And I thank, I thank all the voters who voted for Marcos Devers. On the other hand, uh, no, white I, I person really... will, no white person will ever be a Hispanic in North Lawrence in Spanish neighborhoods. 
on their own. If Barbara Gonzalez runs against Jesus Christ in District C, Jesus isn't winning. <laughs> and you know it. Although they might be confused, they'll say Jesus and they'll think maybe he's a Spanish. But, but they'll see Gonzalez and they're going with the Z every time. You, you know it, don't you? Let's take a phone call. I'll take the laughter as an indictment. So don't miss a minute paying attention with Tom Duggan. Do we have a Kate you Shakira coming back? It's one of my only regrets about the show is we can't use Shakira coming and going on a break. Well, if you can get Shakira to sign off on uh, the use of her music. Yeah, we know people. We might be able to make that happen. You make it happen, and yeah. I'll play it, buddy. All right, okay. It takes a few dead presidents, doesn't it, to do that? Yeah, well, just knowing somebody. Hmm. I found that most things, you're right, it's either money or you know somebody, right? <clears throat> so, hey, thanks for coming back to the Paying Attention podcast here at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. We are high above the Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. I want to thank Twin Lights Security for advertising uh, on the podcast. We certainly appreciate them. If you need an investigation, you need security. E, uh, EIS Security, Eagle, Eagle Investigations in Methuen, Century 21, uh, Team Zingales in Methuen, sponsoring the show. Uh, A&M Auto Body, as you heard during the break. Who'd we leave out? We left out somebody. Fred the Barber. Fred the Barber. Yeah, go get Fred your... Fred I, I got my... I, I walked in and I said, hey... I want a haircut from Fred the Barber because he's sponsoring my show. And the mm. guy said, he's not sponsoring your show. I said, no, no, he is. Because one of your customers came to me and said, I like Fred the Barber and I like the Valley Patriots. So I want to help out both. So I'm going to buy a sponsorship on the Paying Attention podcast for Fred the Barber. He doesn't even know I'm doing it. So I'm going to pay. It's like $50 a week. He said, I'll give you the $50 a week. And... Um, you know, just take care of Fred and, and, and try and pump him up because we want to make him make sure he has a lot of business. Fred the Barber. Fred the Barber. This is a real person. This yeah. isn't a character. No, it's Fred the it Barber. It reminds me of uh, Andy of Mayberry. You know, Fred the Barber is down the street. Did, was, uh, his Fred, Fred, was his Fred too? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it just reminds me of something. And it also reminds me of, remember, Joe the Plumber. Joe the Plumber. Yes. <laughs> so you had Joe the Plumber, Fred the Barber. Fred the Barber. And you have Tom the uh, talk host. Yes. Who needs a lawyer? Who needs nine seven eight four five four? Oh, we don't even do phone numbers anymore. That's what I miss uh, about. That's what I miss about radio is not giving a phone number. Yeah, right? still do it. That was a good fill. Like if I was trying to think yeah. of the next thing, I just give the phone number and they go, "Okay, now I want to talk about next." Yeah, and we we don't have that. Now anymore. we just talk about filling. Right. Yeah. As we talk about fill. filling time yeah. while we're trying to think of the next. It's thing. It's the show about right. nothing. We've officially become Seinfeld. Right. Oh boy, we should do a whole show on nothing. Well, I want to do a show on relationships at some point. I think that would be fun. Are we finished? Actually, we did uh, a Beneath the Surface the other day on, well, a couple of weeks ago, actually, on, on nothing. Mm-hmm. It was literally, the, the topic was the nothing and whether nothing is actually something. I see. That sounds like something only someone in a college <laughs> class could actually find interesting. Is nothing something or is nothing nothing? I don't know. And we did a whole hour on it. It was great. You got a whole hour oh. on that? And, and, you know, we could have done more. Oh, my God. Yes. All right. Well, you must have something exciting to talk about today. you have no. any topics you want to talk about? Uh, no. Well, <laughs> at least he's honest. I, I've got a topic. I'm not all excited about it. Um, it, it was a slow, uh, slow news week, uh, if you ask me. Um, I thought it was like it's, I thought it was like so busy. It was uh, unbelievable. Okay. You had Donald right. Trump talking about Lawrence. You got the mayor oh, talking about true. Donald Trump. You got the shootings. Hmm. But we covered that during during uh, during break. I mean, during uh, news. Well, this here's one thing that stuck out at me as I was, as I was reading the news today. Um, University to host whiteness in decline event. 
Interesting. Yeah, whiteness in decline. Now, are they celebrating whiteness in decline or just talking about it? Uh, let's see. It's it's a lecture to address the resurgence of white supremacy. So it's in that context. Oh, okay. So in, it's in that al- context. anytime yeah. it has to do with white people, yeah, it's always negative. A lecture schedule for next month at Columbia College in Chicago will examine the topic of whiteness and decline and look at how white's current social position has led to a resurgence in white supremacy. Yeah, I think what has led to the resurgence in white supremacy is the people who are considering themselves liberal and progressive attacking white people every chance they get and blaming white people for all the problems in the world and blaming white people for all the problems in history. And I think the more you tell white people, I'm sorry, we're going to skip over you. We're not going to make you a cop or a veteran or a firefighter uh, because we're going to put somebody of color there. Uh, The more white people are told, no, you can't get into college because we're giving that spot to a black person. The more they're told that, the more it creates resentment among white people, especially white people who might be a little ignorant of other cultures, and it creates white supremacy. I really believe Obama created more white supremacists by some of the crap he did in the eight years he was president. I think we need to make some uh, distinctions here, don't you? There's a difference between being extremely frustrated with the past 40 years of affirmative action and quotas uh, and and wanting justice versus white supremacists. I don't think that most people who voted for Donald Trump who are seeking justice uh, are necessarily white supremacists. Do you? No. All right. So then. No, but what, what I am saying is you've got a lot of people in America who are of every color yeah. who are ignorant of other cultures. They only know of other, you know, a lot of black people live in all black neighborhoods. They don't see a lot of white people every day. There's a lot of white people live in all white neighborhoods. Don't see a lot of black people every day. And when they see on TV, um, for example, when Barack Obama came out when Sergeant Crowley in Cambridge arrested a professor mm. because he refused to give his ID and he caught him inside a house that they were told was being burglarized, the president went on TV not knowing any of the topic, not knowing any of the information, not knowing anything that really happened, and defaulted by taking the side of the black guy over the cop, over the white cop. Yeah, I, I remember. And said that he acted stupidly. And when ever anything happened that had to do with a white cop or a black guy, whether the black guy was was as guilty a sin or not, it was always to default to defending the black guy and attacking the white guy. And when you have people who don't interact with other cultures, who don't interact with other races in this country, who see that, who are the, who are the group that's being attacked, if they're already ignorant of the other culture, it gravitates them more toward being more white supremacists. And, and I, think, I think you're seeing a resurgence of white supremacy in this country I don't think it's as big as the black supremacists in this country. I don't think it's as dangerous as the black supremacists in this country. Maybe I'm blind. I don't, right. I don't see a resurgence of it. I, really? I saw, yeah, there was that, uh, that, that rally there that didn't have that many people a few months back. Yeah, like nine people showed up. Yeah, a few months back. And, yeah, look, and, there was, there and Trump still... was excoriated for not, uh, for not condemning them or whatever that was. I love that. News. I love when, the tr- when, the, when, um, when they come on CNN and they say, why didn't Trump say what we wanted him to say? Right, right. He should have said what we – he should have just said this. He didn't say what we wanted him to say. But other than that little um, – whatever it was, um, mm-hmm. I don't – I don't sense it. I don't feel it. I don't see it. But maybe I'm maybe I'm in the dark. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I have look. I, I I have friends that are Latino, friends that are yeah. black, friends that are white. Um, I hear it. I hear it among white friends that I have. What? What do you hear? I, I, I'm curious. I, I I hear them gravitating more toward being resentful and even hateful toward blacks and Latinos 
based on how whites are being attacked and they feel like they're being attacked. And, you know, we, we talk about these things because we're friends, right? We have a drink and we talk about them uh, the, way you, the way you would around the dinner table when you right. were growing up if you were lucky enough to have that. Um, <clears throat> and we discuss it. And I think that's what's important. I think when someone starts to gravitate in that direction toward racism on the left or the right, rather than attacking them and calling them racist and calling them names, I think the best thing is to just talk it out. Like, have a conversation and try and convince them that they're wrong. Calling them names is going to make them more – it's going to make them right. more dig their heels in and, 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 and more solid in their position. So these friends of yours, they go past – saying this is an incredible injustice we have to work against this this is horrible we need to change the system yes to i hate those blankety blank people well it's not so much they hate. should go back to wherever not, they came it's from it's not so much hate but it starts yeah. off with i'm really sick and tired of white people being picked on all right i'm tired of of uh you know the the colleges and and the yes. media yes. attacking white people making everything about race even right. when it's not about race and you know maybe it, me and then and then they start to wonder. If it and they, stops there, then it's not it's not right, racist. But, but they don't. Okay. But they don't. All right. And and they go a little further. And uh, unfortunately, that seems to be part of our fallen human nature that we have to go to extremes mm-hmm. when there's an extreme that's attacking us. Right. So I, I actually had a guy come on my Facebook page a week ago, calling me a white supremacist. Okay. And that's always hysterical because I don't know any Jews who are white supremacists. Um, you know, generally white supremacists are um, people that want to kill Jews. You know, like I don't know, I don't know any like Harvey Weinstein's that are out there holding, you know, Nazi flags, right? Um, and as soon as I said to the guy, "Well, I'm a Jew. How does that work?" It became Duggan's a Jew, and he started insulting my Jewishness. Ah, right. Okay, so it's got to be one thing or another. So, and this wasn't a friend. This was just some scumbag on Facebook. Um, but it's out there, and you have people on the left and on the right. We routinely see on Twitter and on Facebook and on the news people saying things like you're saying. Uh, you know, they, they're going to have a symposium on how white people are the devils and resurgence of white supremacy. But nobody's talking about the attacks on white people. I, I think if you're going to say that racism is wrong, and it is, that judging people and labeling and stereotyping them based on the color of their skin is wrong, which it is, then we need to be consistent and say that it's not just wrong when white people do it. It's wrong when black people do it. It's wrong when Latinos do it. It's wrong when Asians do it. It's wrong when Eskimos do it. And we Especially have a, Eskimos. And we have this culture now in America where it seems to be acceptable to attack white people, to attack Christians, to attack Catholics. At the same time, we're getting lectured about not attacking people based on things they can't control. Well, I mean, I, I think anybody with eyes can see in the past several decades, there's been a uh, almost a conspiratorial effort mm-hmm. uh, through the media and academia to attack the white male. Right. Um, and... I'm sure they have a, a whole host of their own liberal um, reasons for doing that, right. uh, historical reasons and so forth. But gosh, at least be honest with us. Say that we are in the midst of trying to bring down white males uh, because we believe that other minorities and females have been discriminated against for centuries. Yeah, but you know but what? The, the human condition is, and I, I, hate to, I hate to burst anybody's bubble who thinks that we should be living in a utopia. The state of the human condition is we are all prejudiced about something because we're human. We're flawed. We don't live in the Garden of Eden, right? We are flawed. Everybody lies at some point in their life. Everybody steals something at some point in their life. Everybody's prejudiced about something at some point in their life. And so to harp on that and, to, and you always hear things like America was built on racism and prejudice. No, America wasn't built on racism and prejudice. 
has have we had racism and prejudice? Yeah, sure we have. Of course we have. Well, well, but that I doesn't mean we were built on it, and they want to say that we're built on it because they want to deconstruct our constitution. See, the focus isn't on people overcoming their race, mm-hmm. racism and prejudice. It's the focus is on uh, whenever you fall right. to racism and prejudice. Right. I mean, why, why can't we have a more positive attitude regarding we're the only country in history that systematically destroyed uh, slavery? Right. Um, and uh, Which, by the way, still exists today. In many places. And most of those places are where? Africa. Africa. So there are still black slaves. And yeah. try and tell that to a college kid. Because they'll argue with you till the, till the cows come home. Oops. Do you guys think that this has anything to do with the way the pendulum swings when it comes to uh, social issues? And right now we have just swung into this super politically correct. I mean, it really, I don't think it can get much more politically correct. And we have to be swinging back in the other direction at some point. Right. No, I, I, and I think the election of Donald Trump was the beginning of that. Um, people can hate him. People can love him. But just by his mere existence as the president of the United States, he has completely blown the fantasy that the media and the Democrats have pushed on us for the last eight years of what's really going on in America. I remember putting on the TV and seeing white people during the election getting beaten in front of police officers who were ordered to stand down. Why were they ordered to stand down? Because it was a, it was a city that was run by a mayor who was a Democrat. That's it. The mayor ordered the police to not intervene. And the police officers had to stand there and watch people get beat because they were supporting Trump and be called racists and be called Nazis and become, be called all these other names and be, and be physically beaten. And I think we're headed toward... I think we're... Look at what California's doing right now. I think we're headed toward another civil war. Hmm. Let's, let's uh, examine a little bit what Jonathan said about the pendulum. Um, Jonathan, do you think the pendulum has been swinging back and forth, or, or do you think that you th- uh, maybe we will swing back for the first time the other way? Well, let's look at just in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, you got yeah. a TV show like All in the Family. and Which was totally groundbreaking. You could never do that today. You could was, never do that radical. today because it was radical. It was the first time that that type of thing was on, and they kind of used Archie Bunker's character as this staunch... Uh, Republican type character right. to sort of poke fun of that side. Now I believe the pendulum. That, so that was acceptable because it was groundbreaking, and I, they probably had some struggles getting it to stay on the air. But now the pendulum has swung to the point where if you were to put even some of his most mild references on the air now, mm. your show would be canceled because yep. you would lose all of your sponsors. Yep. So we've taken the shift from really. That show was not politically correct in any way. Right. Totally. To now being so politically correct, you couldn't use the mildest of jokes. And right. I, I still watch the show. I think it's a riot. Yeah. Oh, it's very funny. Well, what's great? I, I love that show. What's great about it is that there is no position, there's no political view that is unacceptable, right? For discussion. Um, I posted on Facebook mm-hmm. something about transgenders. Facebook decided that that was not an acceptable position to even hold to be mm. for discussion, and they took it down. And they banned me from Facebook for three days for having it and but, for but expressing it. But do you think pe- people like Facebook and others will begin to go in the other direction, as no. Jonathan was suggesting? No. They won't, no. And They'll have to be forced to. And now Congress is finally, finally Congress is starting to, uh, starting to take notice of Facebook and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have some Republicans. I think uh, uh, Congressman McCarthy was on one of the Sunday shows last week and was talking about how Facebook is censoring, but they're only censoring one side. 
uh, and that they think that, and he thinks that they need to take action. I agree. Do it and do it now. Um, Facebook is a monopoly. And they're also a content provider, even though they pretend they're not a content provider. And if you're a content provider, uh, you should be regulated by the government. Every, virtually every media outlet, except most of Fox and some of talk radio, and most higher education, except for a handful of uh, places around the country, do have that mm -hmm. bias. Yep. And they're getting away with it. So why shouldn't, uh, why shouldn't Facebook get away with what it? What was great about the 60s, not much, right? But what was great about the 60s and the 70s is you could have a show like All in the Family where Archie Bunker could say the most racist. Actually, he wasn't racist. He was a bigot because he, he was ignorant. He didn't, under, he didn't have any real friends that were black growing up. He didn't understand what black people were going he through. He was repeating, essentially, you got the feeling what the generation before him right. had taught yeah. him. Yeah, but he certainly learned a lot, didn't he? Yes, he I did. mean, he became friends with the Jeffersons, even though you know he joked about their differences, he joked George about black Jefferson. people. But, you know, at least the people who were watching of, of every single race got to, got to see how we could talk to each other about these issues and not hate each other. Got and kissed I, by Sammy Davis Jr.? Yeah, good kiss. That? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was great. How about how about when how about when Archie? Yeah. I used to watch it when I was a kid. Yeah. How about when Archie had to go into the hospital and oh, the yeah. doctor came in and he was black? <laughs> oh, that was the. I mean, that was just the oh. best. But you know what he didn't say? He didn't say no. I don't want that N word uh, operating on me. Right? It wasn't hateful. It was just right. bigoted. it was right. just bigoted. It was just bigoted, and it was and it was ignorant. And today there is no difference in in the snowflakes' mind and in the liberals' mind and the media's mind between bigotry and racism and ignorance. And they're three very different things. I think you can be ignorant and not be a racist. I think you can be a bigot and not be a racist. I think you'd be a, well, if you're a racist, you're obviously both of those things. Um, but we can't even talk about it. And the other thing that's really crazy today that we didn't have in the 60s and 70s is that at least in the 60s and 70s, nobody said, well, you're white, you don't have an opinion on this. Your opinion doesn't mean anything because mm. you're not black. Is it, is it called white-splaining today? Well, white-splaining, that's good. I like that, right? <laughs> Last week it was Don't, give, don't give them any ideas. Today, it's white, uh, this week it's white-splaining. Right. One thing that yeah. I disagree on, Tom, is I don't think that Facebook is a monopoly. I think that they just happen to be the best social media platform. But you still have Twitter. You have uh, Google. You can be on... Um, but they're all doing the same thing, um, voice of God, right? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, mean I, I put up a video... When I, of this show, we put up a video on YouTube of this show when I interviewed Diana DiZaglio about the opioid crisis, and they demonetized that video. Didn't tell me why they demonetized it. They just demonetized it. So they're all doing the same thing. So I, Facebook, when I say they're a monopoly, yeah, there's other things out there, but they're all doing the same thing. And then you've got like Gab, which doesn't censor anything, but there's only five people on it. You know, I have 11,000. Yeah, I have, yeah, I have 11,000 people who follow me on Facebook. I post something on Facebook, and it's, when I went live at that shooting the other day, I had over 100,000 people watching that video because people share it out. And n Facebook is the place where everyone is. So it is a monopoly because there's nothing comparable to it. No, but, but, but is it Facebook's fault, I think is what the question here. Or, or is, is the problem that nobody has, been, has pr produced a product that can uh, compete with them? I think it's Facebook's fault because as a monopoly, like most, most corporations, they're a corporation. Yeah. Um, you know, the liberals always like to cry about evil corporations. This so they're keeping others from 
But if nobody makes a platform, competing? if nobody went through the effort that Zuckerberg did to make a platform to keep people entertained mm-hmm. at that level, it's not like Facebook bought out another social media that was starting to encroach on it. Right. They bought other as platforms. As far as we but, know. Right. So they didn't buy Twitter. Right. Then I would yeah. say, okay, you've created a monopoly, but Twitter is competition to Facebook. Right. If you're but they're, but they're doing the same thing. I, I don't disagree. You know what I'm saying? So if they're all, if they're all together, you've got like basically five social media sites, maybe four, that everybody uses. And if they're all in bed together, if they're all sitting down going, yeah, let's kill the conservatives, then they really are a monopoly. I mean, they might be four different entities, but they're all doing the same exact thing. And I think the government needs – I heard Ron Paul, Rand Paul – this morning on one of the news stations, Rand, uh, Rand yeah. Paul talking about Facebook, saying, "Well, if you don't like it, just don't go there." Well, that's easy to say, but if you're running a business and you get 11,000 followers on Facebook, that's pretty hard to do. It's pretty hard to take your business, go to another social media platform, and reach the same number of people and make the same kind of money. And if 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 so, then how should this be solved? I think there needs to be regulation. I think there needs to be content mm-hmm. regulation. That says that if you are a social media provider, you can't you can't be biased and censor views on one side if you're not going to censor. So you want government other. involvement. So if they're going to take down my post because I I make something up, say I disagree with gay marriage, if I put something up that I'm against gay marriage and they take it down because it's considered hateful, then someone who's for gay marriage who puts it up should have it taken down because it's hateful toward the other side, right? Or don't do either. How about let's just have free speech. And allow people to say well, what they want to say. And if their fellow man... Look, I, I'm never for taking down almost anything, right? You have people on Facebook who make some blatantly, wildly racist things that they say. I don't want their, I don't want their Facebook taken down. You know why? I want to know who they are. Hmm. I want to be able to go on Facebook and see who those effing racists are. So if I ever run into them, I'm not going to do business with them. I'm not going to be friends with them. I don't want anything to do with them. And... That's what it's supposed to be about in a free society, that if you want to say hateful things, you should have the right to say hateful things, and your fellow man has the right to walk away or not, or not participate in All that right, conversation. Let me, t- let me take the devil's advocate, because right. I think uh, Rand Paul actually agrees with what you used to say on the radio, and that is, if this is a private company, then they should be able to manage it the way that they want to, whether it be liberal, conservative, or, any, or anything in between. And, um, and you should just take your business elsewhere. Now, if there is no legitimate elsewhere, create a, fi- create a social medium. I mean, Do that's how... That's the how government? No, government you. Fish? Oh, me. Yeah. You or anybody else well, who has I, a problem I don't have the it. $80 billion that Herr Zuckerberger has. I hear you. Well, he started it as but, a college student. I right. mean, he didn't have much money. He was eating right. ramen noodles. So I, gotta, I, I have to work for 20 years to get, this, to, to get this thing up and running just so that I can have a business? I mean, that's not realistic. Well, you've got your, you've got your social... You've got your paper medium out right. there now, the Listen, Valley Patriot. And that brings up a good point because um, when, when I was getting censored on Facebook, I did a couple of Facebook Lives with a different account, mm. and we talked about the fact that print is really going to be the only place you can go as this progresses, as this moves forward and more censorship happens online. If you have an unpopular view or politically incorrect view, print is going to be the only place you can go. And that's why it's important for people to support the Valley Patriot or uh, Methuen Loop Weekly or the North Andover Citizen. Independently owned print publications need to be supported by local tax dollars, by local businesses, because in another year, maybe not even in another year, maybe even sooner, um, you're not going to be able to express certain opinions online. Those opinions 
are not even acceptable for discussion. I posted online that I think that people, that kids who feel like they're transgender have some kind of a mental illness most of the time and that we shouldn't be feeding into that mental illness by pretending that the boy is a girl or the girl is a boy. Once they turn 18, they can do whatever they want. But when it's a kid, uh, I, 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 th I think, I believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, th I don't think that me expressing that should be taken off the table as an illegitimate position to even discuss. Maybe I'll turn out to be wrong, but I'm never going to find out if I'm wrong if I can't have the conversation on social media and interact with people who hold a different view. So, so this, was the, this was the promise of social media, to have all kinds of views and people being able to actually express their own opinions. Right. Before, of course, there were just the big three when mm -hmm. I was growing up, CBS, mm -hmm. ABC, and NBC. And then came, of course, um, uh, cable news, and that was going to be, that's exciting. You've, right. got, you've got different points of view. And you can swear. And, and yeah, well, I don't know about that anymore. But, uh, and now well, you I heard the word shit on CNN 560 times when Donald Trump called, um, I don't know, some country a shithole. Well, Haiti, I think he called it shithole. Oh. <laughs> and CNN went out of their way to say the word shit as many times as they could. <laughs> it was in every sentence of everything they said. They were talking about sports and they worked in shithole. They uh. talked about celebrities they worked in shithole. It was, like little it was like little kids who heard their father say a naughty yeah. word well, what about and then repeated it over and over and over again because now they thought it was okay because dad said it. What about when Trump said it was okay? Uh, it's uh, it was fun to grab women. Oh yes, yeah, Gra I grabbed them. I think by the crotch or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was all over the news. Yeah, too. and then and yeah. then of course they take it and they twist yeah. it to say that he was bragging that he sexually assaulted women. That's true. That's you know, what a lot of them and, and are this, saying. And this is the problem because that's not what he said. Yeah. What he said is they let you grab them there. So if someone's letting you grab them there. It's not a sexual assault, Chico. Just, just, let's just be honest. If Donald Trump was half as bad as they say he is, they wouldn't have to lie. They wouldn't have to take what he says, twist it, and make it seem like it's something else. And I think the fact that they have to lie shows that he's not really quite as bad as... Look, some of the things he says is really awful. Talk about that. But then they have to lie. They, ha they can't help themselves. They have to add things in. They have to twist it. They have to turn it uh, because they're vested in... Promoting a message, not promoting news. Well, I think they're all vested in taking them down. No, 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 you know, no matter how they can try or how they can do it, they want to do it. Right. Whether it be Russia, the uh, the new, the newest thing, of course, are the are the porn uh, actresses. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that'll go anywhere? Uh, well, no. I, I think everybody knows who Donald Trump was. Right. Well, uh, this always bothered me. Uh. Um, you had a guy uh, who was um, you had a guy who was a, a governor of New Jersey. Not yeah. long ago, yeah. who Mc was, secret with an M? was secretly gay. Yes, yes. McGreevy uh, or something McGreevy, like that? Right. Okay. right. He was secretly gay. He had an affair on his wife with a guy. Mm. And for some reason, the media thinks that's news. And I'm not sure I, I, I'm not sure I still even understand why they think that's news. Uh, if, if he gave the guy a job that he wasn't qualified for because he was having sex with the guy, that's news, right? If he put him on the public payroll because he's sleeping with him, that's news, right? But just the fact that he had an affair on his wife, how is that news? How is that news? How is it anybody's business? Right. So if his wife's okay with it or his family's okay with it and they're working it out, why does CNN have to make that everyone else's business? Now, if Donald Trump slept with a porn star while he was president and then made her like, you know, secretary of something, then yeah, okay, I get that. But the fact that he slept with a porn star a couple of years before he was, or 10 years before he was president, that's just salacious gossip.
That's not news. And you thought the same thing about uh, Bill Clinton. Absolutely, I thought the same. But the difference with Bill Clinton was he did it while he was governor of Arkansas, and he was using it to give women jobs, right? If if they slept with him, they got a promotion. If they didn't sleep with him, they get fired. Um, And there were some women who said, no, I don't want to do that, and he did it anyway. That was sexual assault. But as far as the Monica, even with the Monica Lewinsky thing, I don't, I, I, I don't think it's anybody's business. If he's in the White House and he's married and there's a female intern and he wants to have sex with her in the White House, it's not my business. It's Hillary's business, certainly. It's, it's maybe Secret Service's business because they got to cover it up. But how is it my business? How is it Tommy Duggan's business that Bill Clinton slept with someone in the White House? I, don't, I mean, I just don't get that. Can I, can I challenge you both on this? Sure. I haven't agreed with anything that he said yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think you agreed with that, though. Um, why is marriage performed in public? Why is there a public dimension to marriage? Semi-public. No, it's public. Well, Anyone's invited. As a retired wedding yeah. disc jockey... Yes. Not everyone is invited. It is a select few. No, Most weddings are 200 no, people I'm or not, less. No, I'm not talking about the uh, reception. I'm talking about the church. The church is open. Anybody can walk in and, and witness a wedding. But, but it's also, it also has invitees, which are absolutely necessary according to the law, because you need witnesses. Correct. So why is there a, a public dimension to marriage? The vows are said in front of witnesses. Yeah, Jonathan. Why do you need witnesses? Yeah, Jonathan. If, if, if the marital relationship Well, you're really is trying totally to convince her that you're going to stay if it's loyal totally, to her. <laughs> if it's a private situation. You know why you're marriage, there? Because she wants you there and you have no choice if you're a guy. That's why you're there. <laughs> if, it's, if, it's, if it's personal and private, then, then why have it in public? Why not just do it in your bedroom? Some people do. I, I, I will hmm. disagree for the second time in my life with Tom Duggan. I do believe that a sitting president... Only twice? Gosh. That's it. Uh, A sitting president, what he does all day, every day, short of going to the bathroom, is the public's... Should be in the public purview. We should be able to see what's going on or know what's going on, and that should be news and and should be reported. In the case of Monica Lewinsky, we should have known, and he should have been not the president anymore after that. Because that's our house. The White House Correct. is the people's house, Correct. Not, not the president's house. It's per not se. his house, he's, exactly. He's so if you disrespect there. the office, you lose the office is how I feel right. in that respect. But, right. Tom, I don't think anything any less of you. You can still no. feel how you feel. No, listen, well, th- this is the beauty of this show. I don't ever get mad at anybody for disagreeing with me because we all have different views on things, and if you don't know that going in, then you're just an idiot, right? <laughs> but so uh, you can disagree with me with anything that you want, because, and I'm not going to stop being your friend or think anything different of you. Because that's what free speech is about. We forgot somehow in the last two generations. We've forgotten what it's like to have civil discourse and disagree with each other on very important issues and talk them out so that we can come to some kind of an agreement. Just like we talked about in the last segment with Fred. You know, Trump comes out and he attacks Lawrence and says Lawrence is the problem of the opioid crisis in New Hampshire. And Dan Rivera comes out and says he's being mean to us. He's, he's creating boogeymen and he starts insulting the guy. Well, how are you going to work with the president now? How are you going to do that? You're not going to do that. And if you're crying that the president is picking a fight by calling names, why are you calling names back and making it worse? And we, we really need to start steering into the skid, I think, in this country. And you would say the same thing to do, uh, Donald Trump, right, with his tweets? Well, I think I, think, I understand why he does it. Mm-hmm. And believe me, it delights me no end every time he does it because every time he tweets, he could tweet, I like the color blue, and CNN's going to flip out for three days. And watching them flip out is my entertainment for the next three days. I love it. I, when, 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 
when Don Lemon comes on and he fake cries every night about something, there's always at one point during the show where he looks into the camera and his lips starts to quiver a little bit and the little tear starts coming out because that's not who we are. I love it. I love it because they still haven't gotten over the fact that their candidate, Hillary Clinton, lost. And this is just them striking out. So I love when he does it. However, I agree with you, Paul. Some of the things that he says in his tweets are not helpful to his agenda. Those of us who care less about who he insults and more about what he's going to accomplish, look mm. at some of the things he tweets and see them getting in the way of him trying to accomplish things. Exactly. Precisely. And so, and so do I wish that he would tweet? I, I don't wish he would tweet, tweet less. I just mm. wish he would tweet smarter. Use Twitter a little bit more smart, smartly. 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 More intelligenter. Use, yeah, a little intelligent, <laughs> intelligently, right? But, but, but you, use it more um, to get the things that you want accomplished accomplished and less about, you know, hurting people's feelings because, let's face it, you can be a real man. You can have, you can have a set of balls and not go out and, and hurt somebody's feelings, not go out and purposely trying to piss people off. And take it from someone who pisses people off for, for a living – um, I do it very differently now than I did five years ago. I do it very differently now than I did 10 years ago. Still gets me in trouble, as everybody saw on the front page of today's paper. But um, I'm going to learn from this one too, right? However, however this new thing that's going on now is going to happen, however it ends up, I'm going to learn something from that too. Um, so you're right. Uh, on the tweets, I wish he would do it differently. But don't cry about the tweets and don't cry about him insulting people and saying that it's unpresidential and it's wrong and it's juvenile, and then call them names for the next two hours. Because that just shows that you think two wrongs make a right. And that you're no different than what you're criticizing him for doing. Anyways. Be the bigger person. Yeah, especially if you're like on CNN or MSNBC mm. and you're the one... Stop the cycle. You're the one that's putting yourself up as the arbiter of morality and politics. You know? Anything right. else, Paul? That's about it. That's it? That's all you had? That's about it. Wow. What do you got? I got nothing. You got nothing? I'm oh, telling you. Well, he's got no. the bash tomorrow. We're so doing the bash tomorrow. Spend. Yep, we've got the bash tomorrow. We're going to be giving out at least five scholarships to kids. Yeah. Um, and I'll even, I think I pulled it up here for you, so we'll, we'll just kind of give you a little preview on this. Um, uh, the Dan Cody Memorial Scholarship, we've got uh, that up to 3,600. I'd like to get another 400, get that up to 4,000. We've got two kids that are getting that scholarship. We haven't decide how, decided how we're going to divide it yet, but uh, we'll make that announcement tomorrow night. We have an ROTC kid from Lawrence High School uh, who's going to be getting at least $2,350. That's what our, uh, our goal is, $3,000. Uh, that's where we are as of today. Greater Lawrence Technical School kid's going to get $1,500. Uh, the Team Zingala Century 21 scholarship for a kid that goes to the Boys Club and the YMCA. Uh, he's also a Lawrence High kid. That's $1,000. We've got a kid from Whittier Tech in Haverhill also getting $1,000. And we're uh, going to be giving some awards out tomorrow night to hero police officers, to a hero firefighter, to two hero veterans. And we also give out our First Amendment award to people who don't just take advantage of their First Amendment. Like liberals think that like holding a sign is, is somehow honoring the First Amendment. They think they're patriots for holding a sign. Holding a sign doesn't make you a patriot. Making a personal sacrifice to fight for someone's right to hold a sign, that's what makes you a patriot. And so tomorrow night we're going to honor at least two people who have fought for the First Amendment, uh, fought for a right of free speech or free press, and have made personal sacrifices to do that. So we're going to have a lot of great things tomorrow night. One Market Street in Lawrence, the Firefighters Relief Inn, 
Um, if you are a Methuen City employee and you don't feel as though you can come because you're afraid to lose your job, that's okay. It's a night of amnesty. I'm not going to hold it against you. Uh, we know what's going on behind the scenes. We get it. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it, but we get it. And uh, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're truly worried, that's okay. I'm not going to hold it against you. But I still think we're going to have a packed house tomorrow night. I think you're going to have a lot of people in the community reaching out to try and help these kids. A lot of people coming to cheer on our cops, firefighters, and veterans. And by the way, veterans, active duty, military are free for this event. As every event we do at the Valley Patriot, if you are a veteran or you're active duty military, it's free for you. And um, we have veteran tables set aside. We have a Gold Star family. The Lowe's from Jasmine Computer Service will be joining us. Um, they lost their son, Edmund. He was the first American to lose his life in Afghanistan. Um, and I, and I, I even remember what town it was, but I can't, can't remember the name of it. Um, and, and we've got a lot of people who, are, um, who have donated copies of Heroes in Our Midst, uh, the book that we published, uh, which is a book that compiles uh, uh, 134 stories of 134 veterans, local veterans, from the Lawrence, Methuen, Salem, New Hampshire, Lowell area. Um, and every veteran that comes who wants a book gets a book for free because we had a number of people donate the cost of the, we have to pay for the cost of the books. We had a bunch of people donate the cost of the books and I'm gonna sign it for them. And so when they come, they get a free admission at the door, they get a free table that they can sit at with their fellow veterans and they get a free copy of Heroes in Our Midst. It's awesome. Yeah. So. And uh, you can get, you, you can go uh, get tickets at the door, right? You don't have to have tickets in advance. Right, you can, you can get tickets in advance. You can go on eventbrite.com and get tickets in advance. Uh, just type in Valley Patriot Bash. Uh, it's $40 in advance. It's 45 at the door. Um, and we've, we've, we're also telling people, if, if you're a reader of the Valley Patriot, if you're a, a, a viewer or listener of this show, and you'd like to really come, but you can't afford it, call me, email me. We have people who have sponsored some tickets for uh, just such an occasion. If it, maybe it's an elderly, mm-hmm. excuse me, maybe it's an elderly person. Maybe it's just a person who doesn't have a lot of money. Unemployed. Oh, yeah, unemployed. Right. They want to come. We don't have many of those tickets, but if you get to me, I'll make sure that you can get in the door. And there's food? Yeah, the food's being donated by Salvatore's Restaurant in it's, Lawrence. So it's a dinner It's a dinner bash. Yep, and we have a comedian. Johnny Joyce is going uh, to do some comedy. Uh, Daryl Silva, who's flying in tonight, is going to do a roast, and then he's going to sing his song, The Road, that I listen to when I'm chasing police calls in Lawrence. Everybody who follows me knows what that song is. I thought it would be fun to have it at the bash because it's the actual guy who sings the actual song. And we start the show off. We start off the bash tomorrow night with the guy who sings the open of this show, Melvin Taylor, who wrote the Paying Attention song for this show when we were on radio. Well, I must have been paying attention. Yeah, and so he's going to start the show off with the Paying Attention song. And it's always fun watching the audience when he starts to sing because at first they start to hear the song and they go, oh, that's, that's the show that Tom uses on his show. And then within a couple of seconds, they hear his voice, and they go, hey, wait, and that's the guy that sings it. Like, the we actually guy. have the actual guy who sings the song. So that's always fun to watch the audience do that. Um, we're going to do a lot of really nice things. We, get some, um, we have some people who do some great things in the community. Uh, we've got a guy who uh, works, for Salt Lo- works with Salt Lawrence East Little League who takes money out of his pocket when kids make the team but can't afford a uniform. He takes money out of his pocket, and he pays for their uniform. Now, this is a guy that's got his own kid, right? He pays for his own kid's uniform. And he's helping by kicking in for other kids' uniforms that can't afford it. Um, and he's also done a couple of other things for Salt Lawrence East Little League out of his pocket. So we're going to give him a check. And we're not writing it to Little League. We're writing it to him. We want to reimburse him for some of the stuff that he's had to pay for for other people's kids. 
And then the Lawrence Lions got together when we had our board meeting this week. I'm a member of the Lawrence Lions Club. And they said, geez, Tom, it's really nice that you're doing that for that guy. We'd like to kick in $100. And since you're giving the money to the guy, we want to give $100 to the South Lawrence East Little League. So we're going we're to okay. allow them to present that check. So it's going to be a good night. Um, we appreciate everybody who has donated. I think our donation total is somewhere up around $20,000. That's impressive. Um, and we're going to be giving half our raffle money to Veterans Northeast Outreach in Haverhill. And we love vet- – we're going to have Randy Carter on the show, I think, next week. He's one of the people who runs it. Um, they took a church in Haverhill, and they bought it, and they fixed it up, and they have apartment units that they built on the second floor. <coughs> Excuse me. And the salary – and the electricity and the heat are all paid for in this building by grants from the VA. So 100% of what you give to Veterans Northeast Outreach goes directly to a homeless veteran. It goes to feed them, it goes to clothe them, uh, it goes to help them get job training. And so we like to work with organizations that give 100%. Now, not many do. We have a couple of organizations we work with that maybe give about 90%. I won't go any lower than 90, really 95, um, because I'm not up for paying anybody's overhead. I want to make sure when we give money, it's actually going to people that need the help. Um, And we've got a couple of other organizations, veterans assisting veterans. We're going to give them a check tomorrow night, too, uh, if they show up. So if if they show up with five people, we're going to give them $100 a person. If five members of veterans assisting veterans show up, we're going to give them $500. If 10 show up, we're going to give them $1,000, right? So when we tell people you have to come to the bash, You have to bring your friends. We want people in the room cheering on the award recipients and the scholarship recipients. There's usually a benefit to that. And so if they come, if they come, we'll give them $100 per per veteran that they bring with them from Veterans Assisting Veterans. And 100% of what you give to Veterans Assisting Veterans goes directly to veterans. I'm going to give you one short story before we go off. So last summer, I got a call from John McDonald at Veterans Assisting Veterans. There was a guy named Mr. Bazin who lived on Brookfield Street in Lawrence. And the bank was about to take his house. He was, they were about to foreclose on his house. And uh, he was a hoarder, so his house was not in that great condition uh, inside. Veterans Assisting Veterans found out about this. Uh, JT Torres found out about this from New England Veteran Liberty House. They pulled their resources. They paid this guy's mortgage off. They went into his house and they cleaned it out so, he's not, so it doesn't look like it did when he was hoarding. Um, and they even gave him a little bit of extra money for other stuff. And now this guy who was looking at possibly going into a nursing home because, they were going to, because the bank was going to take his house gets to live his final days in his own house. Very cool. And it's a house that he's Very owned. Good. And it's a house that he's owned since World War II. It's a house he's lived in since World War II. Wow. So, Is he single? Uh, he's, yes, he's okay. widowed, I, th- I okay. believe. So um, you know, these are the organizations that we like to work with. We like to help them because not only are they doing good work, but they're not taking money off the side for themselves. And I know John McDonald would never take a dime uh, I know that uh, Mr. Machado would never take a dime at Veterans uh, Northeast Outreach, um, Veterans uh, Assisting Veterans. And I know that Randy Carter and John Radker at, at Veterans Northeast Outreach would never take a dime of the money that was supposed to go to their veterans too. So we honor them. We honor them every year. Uh, we started last year giving them money. We're going to give them money again this year. And uh, the best thing is it's not my money. It's, 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 a, it's it, always a good thing. We extort it from all of our friends. We call all our advertisers. We call everybody that sponsors all the stuff that we do. And we say, look, we're raising money for scholarships. We're raising money for veterans. Can you kick in? And some people say, look, I can only give $10. I appreciate just as, that just as much as I appreciate the $100 and the $500 donations because that's what they can give. And somebody giving $10 may hurt them more than someone that can afford to give $500. You know what I'm saying? Good. Yeah. 
who's the uh, who's the MC this year? The MC is the lovely and talented Tony Wakester again this year, who is probably one of the most beautiful women on the face of the earth. But she's also an Army veteran, and she's also a law enforcement officer. So this absolutely stunning, perfect 10 gets up to the microphone in the most unbelievable dress you've ever seen in your life. And, of course, every guy's, every guy's thoughts are going to one place, right, especially me. And then she starts talking, and you realize she's, she's not just a beautiful face. She doesn't just have a beautiful body. She's not just a beautiful person, but she served her country. She served her country in the Army. She served her country as a law enforcement officer. I said, this girl is perfect for the Valley Patriot Bash, and that's why we have her emceeing this year. Gotcha. We had Poppy Girl, and Poppy Girl couldn't make it again this year, so we got Tony Wakester. And um, by the way, she has a nonprofit too. And I told her that for next year, if there is a 15th anniversary bash, uh, we will find a way to help her with her nonprofit. And we have one other guy I want to thank before we go off Eugene Smith, who's an Air Force veteran. He runs a nonprofit called Military Connections. And they don't really do much because he's only one guy, right? Uh, he came to me, he's a member of the Lions Club in Lawrence, he's on my board. And he came to me about a month ago and said, I was at your bash last year and I was totally blown away by what you do for these kids. I want to give you $1,000 for, for a kid in ROTC. That's how we started the ROTC scholarship. He said he wanted to target it for an ROTC kid. And uh, Eugene does not have a lot of money. And I said, listen, you don't have a lot of money. I can't take $1,000. He said, I have $1,000 in our nonprofit account and I want you to use it for an ROTC kid. So we're going to call Eugene up and let him present the check himself tomorrow night. Um, it's, it doesn't seem fair that these people give money. In previous years, people give money. Then I get up and I present a check, and it almost kind of seems when we're watching the video afterwards that, like, I'm the one giving them the money. And it just kind of it, – it, it didn't hit me right when I watched the video afterwards. So I said, from now on, the people that give, anybody who gave to the Dan Cody Scholarship that's in the room, we're going to call them up and have them present their check. Anybody that gave to the ROTC Scholarship, same thing. So um, – it's a good night. Just make sure it flows, you know, relatively quickly. Well, we've cut a, we had to yeah. cut a lot of things out of the program yeah. because of we had an additional scholarship we weren't planning on when Dan Cody died. So we were planning on giving four scholarships. Now we're giving five, so we had to cut some things out of the program. So when we don't plan on going too long. Sometimes it happens because someone gets, you know, long-winded halfway through the night, and then it just throws us off. Uh, but we, but we're gonna, we'll work with it. We're going to work with it, and uh, hopefully people go home. And uh, pe pe people go home and they feel good about themselves and they've got something yeah. in their pocket that they can help with their future. Paul yes, Morano. indeed. I did have one other topic I wanted to talk about. I just can't remember what it is. So um, I think we'll probably just we'll, – what's our time? 3.30. So we're going to go a, a half an hour early. That's great. Uh, we'll thank our sponsors, Twin Lights Security. Do you have anything to wrap up with, Paul? No, I'm, I'm good. Tell everybody about your show. I'm good. I um, <coughs> You can listen to my uh, radio show, Beneath the Surface, at WCAP Radio from 10 to 11 p.m. Go to um, Facebook.com slash Fellow Truth Seekers to find out more fellow information. Fellow Truth Seekers. No spaces. Just All Fellow right. Truth Seekers. Very good. All right. And, uh, and I want to thank Twin Light mm -hmm. Security again. They're going to be providing our security for free again tomorrow night. I don't know what it is that I did that made the people at Twin Light Security fall in love with the Valley Patriot or fall in love with me. But they advertise in the paper. They advertise on this show. They provide free security. They advertise in the program book. Um, I, I can't thank them enough. They even employ me, like when they have a, uh, an internal investigation that they need like some real serious research done on because I'm an investigative reporter. They call me. Um, I know we were, we were supposed to work in uh, uh, Sean the Barista again today, and we didn't do that. 
going to have to be next week again, Sean. Sorry. Now, now are you saying the barista or, yeah. or is that his last name? No, Sean the barista. Sean the, the barista. The, bar, the barista. Yes, okay. he makes the gayest coffee ever. And when I say gay, I mean happy. It's a very yes, happy very coffee because when coffee. I drink it, it makes me happy. Very happy coffee. Um, but we, I, I, here's what I wanted to do since mm. we have a little time. I wanted to have Sean the barista come up. First thing I knew was going to make you feel very uncomfortable, and I love okay. watching that. Um, but I want to have him come up, and I want to have him – um, talk about one topic that he really thinks is important, and it doesn't have to be political. It can be any topic. It can be it can be anything. Relationship. He's been really anything. into glitter this lately. This this past has week. he really into glitter? Yeah, and he, well, he can come on and talk about glitter if he wants. I don't care, because my plan is if we can get Sean on and we can give him some publicity and we can help him promote his his uh, barista back there. He makes fine fine coffee here at Studio Twenty One Podcast Cafe. Uh, that maybe we can get it sponsored. And maybe we can find, you know, we can find a business that can sponsor Sean the Barista. So his segment will include he shows up with coffee for us and we sit him down and we talk about coffee and we ask him about his life and we find – because he's, he's a character. Once, once people on this show get a, get a breath of, of Sean the Barista, they're going to love this guy. They're going to love him because he doesn't believe anything I believe in. He's the total opposite on just about every single thing that I say. We end this show. I go and I, I get my coffee from him for the road on the way home because I have to have his coffee. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, hey, what did you think of the show? And he's like, yeah, you're a funny bastard. But guess what? I don't, I don't agree with one effing thing you said. But he says it laughingly, and we talk about it, and we discuss what we disagree about, and he's not disagreeable. And I love to have people who don't agree with me on stuff who aren't disagreeable, who can civilly discuss it and d- disagree, Paul. So any thoughts on any of that? No. No. Not, Not one okay. bit of thought. All right. Wow. <laughs> your don't, silence is deafening. Don't quit your, neither, j- neither your day conscious, job. Neither conscious or unconscious. At least once or twice on my radio show, I used to have to remind Paul, you do realize this is radio, right? Like all, all, that, all, that, all that silence after asking your question is not very helpful. But uh, So are you, are you excited about bringing Sean onto the show? I think it's going to be great. I don't know Sean. I've, I've met Sean once. Yeah. He, uh, he uh, showed me where the bathroom to this place okay, was. Okay, all right. And so you uh, should like was, it. He showed was you where the bathroom was. I was very grateful. Absolutely. If he hadn't shown you where the bathroom was, you wouldn't you. have been able to go to the bathroom. Uh, that's right. You'd probably still be holding it. <laughs> to this, and it was a couple of weeks ago, too. Right? So, yeah. So that would have been tough. That would be damaging. So I was watching. What's the name of the show, Jonathan, before our show? That is, um, well, the, today was a makeup show for them, but that's Political TNT with uh, Tom and Nancy Troy. So I'm watching Tom and Nancy Troy while I'm getting ready for this show laughing my ass off. I can't remember the last time I watched a show that made me laugh that hard. And they're brother and sister, and they just eviscerate each other. Oh, it's great. And I wanted to bring it up for one reason, because it goes in line with something we were just talking about, uh, Jonathan. And that is that, you know, people can't uh, disagree and still be friends anymore. People can't have totally opposite views, yell and scream and fight with each other, and then go for a coffee afterwards, right? But I I watched the two of them eviscerate each other, call each other names, scream over each other. It gets so bad that they actually have a timer. So they have to take turns. So one person's not like talking over the other and it doesn't work. They still do it. Yeah, it doesn't work. Right? (laughs) But then when everything went off, as soon as they said, okay, thank you for coming and this is the, you know, podcast and the music played and they went off, they kissed each other. They came down and sat next to me and they had a civil conversation about like other stuff. Yeah, it's great. As if none of that conversation was personal between either one of them at all. And I think that the value of a show like that to show people who are listening and watching that you can have totally opposite views and that doesn't make the other person a bad person 
is so sorely needed in our discourse. Even though they're yelling at each other, even though they're kind of calling each other names, they're brother and sister and they love each other. And it's just like being, a, it reminds me of being at the dinner table when I was a kid. And that's, you know what, it's funny you say that, but that's exactly what the show was created after. Yeah. Yeah. It was their Thanksgiving it dinner. It shows. It shows. You guys do, and he's here. You guys do a great job with that show. And of course, you're wrong about every single thing that you said. And at some point, <laughs> at some point I am going to come on your show to talk about guns and Trump and all the things that you hate. Um, but, but I think it's a great show. And I think uh, Dave Garofalo, who has set up this entire thing here at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, I think he's doing a great service for, for free speech. I might even nominate him tomorrow night from the floor for a First Amendment Award for next year. Um, I, I, think, I think we need people to inspire other people to be able to disagree civilly and not think bad of the person who disagrees. Hell yeah. How long, if you don't mind me asking, how long has this studio been here? Does anybody Since know? Since September. Oh, only S- September. September 30th yeah. was our grand opening. Oh. That's International Podcast Day, so we opened on International Podcast wow. Day. And, and who, what was the idea? I mean, what was the purpose, I guess? What's, the, what's the, the grand plan? The premise of it is we've got another podcast called The Cigar Authority. Sean. And yes. we went from... Uh, as a as two guys smoke shop spending a hundred thousand dollars on radio and TV ads okay. to making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the podcast for the Cigar Authority, and the thought was, well, maybe other businesses could do that because podcasting is the wave of the future. Mm. You know, people listen to their shows on demand. So we set up this cafe so that the people that are listening to the shows have something to do. They can drink their coffee and yeah, uh, you know, there's something going on and. Be able to listen so, and watch do a you podcast ma- live. Do you have many shows that come on, or how many how many shows do nine use right? this thing? Uh, we have twelve podcasts 12? right now. Twelve, really? Wow. Yeah. yeah the some goal at night. Is, yep. Okay. The, the goal is to hit uh, fifty, and then we shut it down. I would imagine there are probably more people in the audience at night watching them. Uh, sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, we started out with a studio audience when we first started, and now we're down to like rich. <laughs> right, Rich, Rich, and Sean the barista, uh, but that's okay. When we when we have guests, we always have a, a full house here, which and, is always good. And is that a little radio studio over here in this, in that, this room? That's um, for audio only. So okay. this is audio yeah. and video, right. video on demand, and audio, that's audio only, and that's audio only. Right. Yeah. So if you want to, if you if you would like to sponsor the Paying Attention podcast, we would love to have you. It's so super cheap for fifty dollars a week. We'll put your graphic on the screen in front of our desk. We will run a commercial for you during the break that I will do as a testimonial. Um, I'll even maybe, if depending on how much money you want to spend, I might even throw you a free ad in the Valley Patriot or throw you some love on social media when we're out at a shooting and there's 100,000 people watching. Um, we had over 300,000 people watch. Um, last summer, I happened to be driving around Lawrence, and there was a high-speed chase from Everett through the Merrimack Valley. State police were chasing this guy. We picked it up in North Andover. We picked the, the signal up in North Andover. And he was heading through Lawrence up 495, and I was right near the ramp, and I was debating on on following them, but it's a high-speed chase, so it's not like I can drive 100 miles an hour, until all the Lawrence cops started going around me and joining the chase. And I'm like, well, it's the Lawrence cops. They're not going to pull me over, so I'll follow them. So we followed them. The guy was literally shooting out his window at the state police behind him. Hmm. And... Um, of course, I've got the scanner, so people suddenly start sharing it, and I went from having like 300 people watching us live to having 3,000 people watching us live, and by the time we got up near Haverhill, 
We had 300,000 people watching us live listening to the scanner because you can hear the gunshots. The state trooper comes on and, and says he's shooting at us, and you can hear the gunshots out the window as he's shooting at the cops behind him. Um, unfortunately for the guy that was shooting at the cops, he was threatening suicide by cop, and one of the state troopers honored his request. And he's not with us anymore. We were going to give that guy an award this year, but with all the turmoil in the state police, we couldn't get them to get their act together to, like, get it approved officially and get the guy in the room. So we might do that next year. But we had 300,000 people watch one high-speed chase. And during that high-speed chase, I would flip the camera around every few, every few minutes and throw some love to our advertisers. Because when you have that wide of an audience, if you can throw some love to the people that help you when you don't have a wide audience, oh, they're, yeah. they're always going to come back. So uh, the people who sponsor this show, when I go live on Facebook and I'm at a shooting or a fire, I'm going to give you love. And I'm going to take your graphics, I'm going to put them on Facebook and share it out to my 11,000 Facebook followers. We're going to talk about you when we're, when we're out in public, and we're going to talk about you on this show. So give us a call. Email me at valleypatriot at AOL.com. Uh, you can get in touch with Dave Garofalo here at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe uh, at uh, Two Guys Smoke Shop. Um, and we'd be more than happy to have you on. And one of the things we are going to do, and we'll wrap up with this, uh, we're looking for some sponsors who would like to sponsor segments. So let's say you have, uh, let's say you own uh, Scola's Restaurant in Drakeit. This is one of the guys we're working on. We're trying to get him in, right? So we went to the guy that owns Scola's and said, here's what we'd like you to do. We'd like you to sponsor the show. It's $50 a week. But if you kick in 75 a week, we'll give you a segment. So we'll come to your restaurant and you make up a dish in front of us. We'll give you three to five minutes to make up a dish and explain what you're doing, kind of like Julia Childs. And we'll put scholars on the screen through the whole time with your phone number um, so people can call for reservations. And we'll literally give you your own segment on the show for an additional, it's like 25 bucks. Like, how do you beat that? What did we have, 10,000 downloads the last two months, Jonathan? Yeah. So for, for 25 bucks, 20, 10,000 people are going to see or hear your segment. I don't know anywhere else you could do that for that kind of money. And I'm pretty sure when we get our March numbers, it's going to be a lot more than 10. Oh, yeah. I think with all the stuff going on, it's going to be a lot more than 10. And we're growing every single month on the, on the downloads. So please do that. Please call us. Find me on social media. Sponsor the show. Advertise in the Valley Patriot. We've got a great crossover package if you want to do both. Um, we want to keep free speech going. And there are people out there. I'm going to try really hard not to get in trouble on this. My lawyers have warned me and warned me. There are people out there that would like nothing better than to silence me. They would like nothing better than for there to be no paying attention podcast. They live, breathe, eat, and sleep trying to destroy the Valley Patriot. They call our advertisers and they harass them sometimes. They call our writers and harass them sometimes. They email our writers and they harass them sometimes. They want nothing more than to shut Tommy Duggan the hell up. So you sponsoring this show, you sponsoring the Valley Patriot, you're helping us with free speech. You're helping us continue to get the word out, to have dissension, to have politically correct thoughts be talked about, and to let people at home make up their own mind. I don't care. If you listen to this show, and I really mean this, if you listen to this show or you read my paper, and you thought I was full of shit before you watched the show, and you think by the end of the show I'm even more full of shit, I'm okay with that. Because you've watched the show, you've listened to what we have to say, you thought for yourself, you challenged your own ideas, and you ended up even more solidly where you started. I'm okay with that because you went through the process of at least challenging what you believe. That's what a free society is supposed to be all about. Hopefully, we're going to be able to continue. Hopefully, the Valley Patriots is going to be around for a long time, and this podcast is going to be around 
for a long time because without shows like this and without small independently owned newspapers, you're stuck with Facebook and CNN. And I really want you to think very, very hard about that. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you, Paul Morano, my co-host. Rich Russell, my photographer, who comes to every show to take pictures, even though it's just me and Paul. I want to thank Mr. Jonathan, our producer, who's absolutely amazing at what he does. Uh, we want to thank Stu, our producer, who's some, here sometimes, our part-time producer. He's a great guy. Um, Twin Light Security, Century 21. A&M Auto Body, go see Angelo. Uh, Fred the Barber. Who did we leave out? We left somebody out, but we'll give you a lot of love on Facebook. Let's listen to Melvin Taylor on the way out. And go to Studio 21 Podcast Cafe on YouTube and watch some of the other shows. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.